All right, Jabo, say good morning, good morning. Let us begin. Begin by thanking our sponsors for this morning's shear. To thank our Tabatora sponsors for the month of Elul, Shindi and Avram Kelman, in honor of the Hill's engagement to Alana Falik in memory of their parents, Jerome and Bernice Kelman, and Alexander and Frederica David, Zichronim Livracha. To thank Barak, Maya, Sandy, Hafman, Dora, Limas, and Avi Malamed for dedicating the Shurim this month in memory of Ruvain Ben Emanuel, Zichronim Livracha. To thank Ayal and Sarah Steinberg for dedicating the Shurim this month in the Schutz of Shalima for Shulamis Bas Susha. Daf Yomi Shir for dedicating the Shir this month in the Schutz of Rufo Shalima for Yehuda Ben Michal. Our week of learning sponsors, Jeff and Karen Cohn, in commission of the art site of Jeff's mother, Eleanor Cohn, Elka Bas Binyamin, Svi Zichron Levracha. Our week of learning sponsors, Louis Goldberg, thanking Hashem for the engagement of his grandson, Ellie Bogart, to Rivi Galaskov, daughter of Steve Galaskov, Mazeltov, Mazeltov. To thank Joseph and Ellen Miller, Iris and Ed Miller and family, Leslie and Adam Rosen and family, Lezech, for dedicating the Shurim this week, Lezech and Nishmas, Richard Berman, a beloved brother, uncle, Mirz Hashem, the Neshamashtav and Aliyah, and the family in Nechama. With that, let us begin. So we have a great dap ahead of us today. Today's dap is Ayin Dalid 74, and we are picking up Mirz Hashem on the bottom of Ayin Gimel Amid Base. We are going to pick up today Mirz Hashem. Um, let's actually pick up Ace two, four, six lines up from the bottom. Last word on the line. Hopefully, you did your homework a little bit. So the Gemara says as follows. So both say, so remember again, just to, just to reorient ourselves a little bit, actually, the truth is where we left off in the Sugya. So again, it's two, four, six lines up from the bottom. Last round, line A stay. So if you remember again, we had a statement of Rabbah. So both say, let's take a step, one more step back. The, all of this is rooted in the Machlokis Ravin Shmuel that we had at the beginning of yesterday's daf. That Machlokis was about the following scenario. A man makes a t'nai on his Kiddushin. Let me say it differently. Ruven is Mekadish Rochel. At the time of the Kiddushin, he makes a t'nai. Whatever, whatever the t'nai was, the t'nai that we were going with was, he makes a t'nai, you are betrothed to me, Amenas she'in alayich nedarim. That you have no nedarim upon you. He does not reiterate that t'nai at the time of Nisuin. So, Machlokis, Rabbi Shmuel, what do we do? Is that t'nai, now, of course, fast forward, they get married, they do Nisuin, and what do we discover? She has Nadarim. She has Nadarim. So, the Shailin now is, what's the status of the marriage? So, remember again, Rav said that she requires again. Now, saying that she requires again effectively means that what? That Allah said the marriage is valid. The marriage is valid, and therefore, in order to dissolve it, you need a get. Rav's logic was, Ein Adam Oseb Bi'ilaso Bi'ilas Znos. Shmuel, on the other hand, held that Allah she doesn't need a get. Why doesn't she need a get? Because Shmuel held that once he made the tonight at the time of Kiddushin, the tonight does not have to be reiterated in order for it to stick. Once you make it at the beginning, right, the assumption is that ultimately it remains with every stage of marriage. And therefore, it turns out that she does have the darim. Because she does have the darim, therefore, Allah the marriage is void. The marriage is void. Comes along Rabbah, and this is on Ayin Gimel Amabez, and we did this, there was a, this was at, towards the end of yesterday's year. Comes along Rabbah, and Rabbah says, by the way, the Machlokis Rav and Shmuel is only what, what Rabbah called Isha Achos. Isha Achos. Now, for example, we'll say, what, what does that mean? I'm sorry, the Machlokis is only about Isha Achos. Um, let me say it differently. The Machlokis, ultimately, again, is... Let me say it, I'm sorry. So let me rephrase it in the positive. That according to Rabbah, Tos Isha Achos Kredosa Divre Hakol Einot Tzricha Hemenu Get. So Rabbi said, the Machlokas in Rav and Shmuel is only in the case of, remember again, we had this yesterday, Taos Isha Achos Ke'ein Shtei Noshim. But in a case of Isha, Taos Isha Achos Kredasa, everyone agrees she, requ- she does not require a get. Or to say it simply, what Rabbi holds is that in Rabbi's understanding of the Machlokas, both Rav and Shmuel will agree that in a case where the Ruven made a Tanai at the time of Kiddushin and did not reiterate the Tanai at the time of Nisuin, everyone agrees that ultimately what? The Tanai holds. That's what Rabbah comes along. So Rabbah wanted to reframe the Machlokes, Rabbah and Shmuel, 
And in a case of Ose, where Tanai was made at the beginning of Kiddushin, or at Kiddushin, and was not reiterated at Nisuin, everyone agrees that the Tanai is in effect, and therefore non-compliance with the Tanai ultimately voids the marriage. Okay, that's what we're up to. So Gemara says, Eisvei. So I'll say the Gemara is going to ask a series of questions on Rabbah. Say Eisvei, the Gemara is the Kasha, Modim Chachamim Rabbi Eliezer, Biktano, so we'll see a very interesting case. So we'll raise the kasha. The chum agree with Rabbi Eliezer in the following situation. So remember again, you have a kitano whose father married her off. What's the status if the father marries off a kitano? So what happens? How does she get divorced? How does such a girl get divorced? Her father is makabal the get on her behalf. So, okay? So father... Married off daughter, we'll call her Rachel. Rachel is a kitana. He marries off Rachel to Ruvain. Then Ruvain divorces Rachel. How does Ruvain divorce Rachel? He gives Rachel's father a get on her behalf. Fine. Now, we'll say, what's her status now? Now, we'll say, she is called an orphan with a living parent. Why is she called an orphan with a living parent? Because although her father is alive, her father no longer has the right to go ahead and what? Marry her off again. Now, what happens? So uh, interestingly enough, what happened over here? So ultimately, again, Rashi says, Vechzira, three lines up from the bottom, Vechzira, first I'll take the previous Rashi. Vihisom Bechaya, four lines up in Rashi. Af Bechaya, via Hikisom, the Fishiyatza Merushu, so many Sunari Shonim, Vishuv Enos Chusba, the Kabo Kidusha. So we'll say, this is a concept we've seen many times before, we've heard a bunch of times in Yavamis, that essentially, once a father marries off his daughter and she enters into Nisuin, even as a Kitana, as even as Kitana, he loses rights in her. To the point that even if she is divorced as a Kitana, he no longer regains his rights. That is called a Yisoma Bechaye Aviyad. Orphan, an orphan with a living parent. So now what happens? Bechzira, now look at Rashi once more, Bechzira, Bechatnusa, Omaisa Kitana Eklom. So we'll say now what happens? What happens? She goes ahead and she gets remarried as a Kitana. She gets remarried as a Kitana. So watch this. Bechzira, so we'll say, so now I play this out. Okay, just to follow the progression. Father marries his minor daughter, Rachel, off to Ruvain. Good. Kiddushin da'araisa. Beautiful. What happens? Ruvain divorces Rachel. Not so beautiful. She's still a kitana. But her father receives the get on her behalf. Once the father receives the get, that's the last right, so to speak, the father has in his daughter. So now she's a yisoma b'chaya biha. Rachel gets married again. Herself. What's the status of that marriage when she gets married again herself? Right? Pretty much Nothing. Right, nothing. My sekitana ain't a klum. It's not even like a case of where her mother or her brother marries her off. At least there is kiddushay dirabanon. Nothing. What happens? She she marries. Okay, we'll say Shimon. What happens now? Shimon dies without children. Shecholet says v'lo Ultimately, again, she does chalitza, and she does not do yibum. She does not do yibum. So I'm say, I'm sorry. She remarries Reuven. Excuse me. I'm sorry. The case is where she remarries the man who she divorced. So now what happens? She remarries Ruvain, right? And now Ruvain dies without children. What's Taloch in this case? Shechobet says, Ultimately, again, she has to do Chalitza. She cannot do Yibum. Why? This is very interesting. Because Rabbi say her Gerushin, her divorce, is a biblical divorce. But her remarriage is not a complete remarriage. So Rabbi say, when is this true? Because Rabbi say, remember again, think about this. Her remarriage to Ruben at most is what? At most is Drabanon. Is Drabanon. So, when is this true? So, you have, it's interesting. So, you have a biblical divorce, biblical divorce, and at most a rabbinic marriage. So, the Gemara says, now look at Rashi for just a moment. So so once Ruvain divorces Rachel, so ultimately again Rachel becomes Asura to Ruvain's brother, right? Ruvain's brother. Now, granted, they get remarried, that's very nice, but Lamaisa, again, a Kiddushin de Rabbanon doesn't have the ability to set aside an Isra da Araisa. So, when is this so? Kishik Chegirsha, Kishikitano, Vechzir Kishikitano. That's only if what? Ruvain divorced her when she was a Kitano, and then what? Remarried her when she was a kitana. Because now I will say what I have. A, I have a gerushin da'oraisa, 
which generates an Isr Da'oraisa of Ruvain's brother, the Torah is Ruvain's brother, and only a marriage to Rabbanon. But if Ruvain divorced Rachel when she was a Kitana and remarried her when she's a Gidola, in that case, I will say, then what? Then what? The marriage is a Da'oraisa marriage. Oshech Zira Kitana, the Godla Etzlo. Or he remarried Rachel when she was a Kitana, but she became a Gidola. While married to him, while married to him, and what I will say, and right, the God Laetzla, Umes, and then he died, Ocho Letzes, Omes Yadames. Oh, in that case, then she could do Chalitza or Yibum. Why, I will say, what's the difference? Because in those cases, now she has a biblical marriage as well. Now the Gemara says, Asad, Mishun Eliezer, Omru, and neighbor Rabbi Eliezer, they said, Top of Ayim Dalit, Cholatzes, Velo Mesyadames. I will say, Rabbi Eliezer says, even in this case, even in the case either where he remarried her when she was a Gidola, or he married her as a Kitana, but she became a Gidola while married to him, Rabbi Eliezer still says she has to do Chalitza and she can't do Yibum. She can't do Yibum, to which he must say, but one second. Now I will say, in this case, let, let's analyze it for just a moment. Let's take a look at this. So we'll say, now we have effectively two cases. Case number one. Reuven was married to Rachel as a Kitana, right? Rachel's father married Rachel off to Reuven as a Kitana. Now what happened? So watch this. Now what happened? Case number one is, case number one is now Reuven divorced Rachel. Reuven divorced Rachel. Okay, so we'll say, so now what happens? Reuven remarries Rachel. So case number one, where Reuven remarried Rachel, Reuven then died while Rachel was still a Kitana. In that case, everyone agrees that what? No, only Chalitza, no Yibum. No Yibum, right? Makes sense. Because I have an Isra Da'oraisa about Rachel with her brother-in-law and only Kiddushin Dirabonon. Case number two is same first part. Reuben remarries Rachel, but in this case either, she becomes a Gidola. Well, let me start with the other case. It's case number two is he remarries her when she's a Gidola. If he remarries her when she's a Gidola, then what? Then what? Marriage. Biblical marriage. So biblical marriage, Yibum or Chalitza. No problem. No problem. Or second case, or 2A we'll call it, is where he remarried her while she was a Kitana. And what? She became a Gidola over the course of the marriage, and then he dies. And there the Gemara says, also, she could do Chalitza or Yibum. Gemara says, that's interesting. In that case, where Reuven remarries Rachel as a Kitana, and then she becomes a Gidola, isn't that a case, the Kitos Isha Achas Dami Upligi? I will say, isn't that a case? Look at Rashi. Where he remarries Rachel as a Kitana. And then ultimately, yeah, she becomes a Gedola. And I will say, here's what's interesting about that case. That's a case where he marries her as a Kitana. And now, she goes in and she becomes a Gedola. Then I will say, that's an interesting case. Why? Because the first Bia that he's having with his remarried wife is as what? As a Kitana. Then I both say, so now, in order, so, is, so, so isn't, so, yet interesting enough, you're assuming that that marriage morphs into a biblical marriage, even though the origins of that marriage are what? Are rabbinic. So the Gemara says, that's like a case of Taos Isha Achos in our previous sugya, and yet we still see it's Machlokas. To which the Gemara says, no, no, no. Hasamai b'hakimim. The Gemara says, here's the machlokas. Watch this. Mar savar adam yodeish in kiddushe ketan klum. So, so the Gemara says, here's the machlokas. One opinion says a person knows that kiddushe ketana is nothing. Now, I say, what does it mean kiddushe ketana is nothing? In any, I say, kiddushe ketana is only biblically meaningful when, when, when the father is marrying off the daughter. So, one opinion says everyone knows that when Reuven remarries Rachel, Reuven knows that that Kiddushin is not really a Kiddushin. In other words, it's not a Kiddushin Daraisa. The Gamar Ubal L'Shem Kiddushin. And therefore, again, Rubey knows that when Rachel becomes a Gedola, what does he have to do? He has to have in mind that the Bia that he has with her once she becomes a Gedola, that's what affects the marriage. Oh, and therefore, again, they have a true marriage. Therefore, were Rubey to die without children, Rachel would be able to do Yibam or Chalitza. The other opinion says, no, most people don't know that Kiddush Shekitana is meaningless. And ultimately, again, when he marries Rachel as a Kitana, Ruben has no idea that what? That what? 
that when she becomes a gedola, he's got to go ahead and essentially have kavano that the bia should once again be l'shem kiddushin. So because he has no idea about this, the entire marriage is built on what? On a bia with a kitana, right? Which is only what? Kiddushin dirabana. So we'll say that's the fundamental machlokis over here. Does a person know the mechanics of marriage enough to know that once his kitana wife becomes a gedola, he essentially has to re-effect Halachic marriage with her or not. That's the machlokas. Mm-hmm. So we'll say, here we go. Everything comes back to the same case. A man does kiddushin with a tenai, ubao. And then he has relations with her. We'll say, but at the time of relations, the time of nisuin, what doesn't happen? He does not restate the tenai. So what happens? So everyone agrees that since he didn't restate the tenai, uh, even, even though, excuse me, he didn't restate the Tanai at the time of Nisuin, nevertheless, the Tanai is in effect, and therefore non-compliance with the Tanai causes the dissolution of the marriage, even without a get. Eisvei, is that true? Eisvei, Ravach, Abarei, Dravika, Barachsei. So it says the Gemara, Eisvei, Ravach, Abarei, Dravika, Barachsei, Chalitza, Mutas, Kshera. Listen to this. A mistaken Chalitza is Kasher. Ezri chalitza mutas. So we'll say, what's an example of a mistaken chalitza? This takes us back a little bit. Amrei shlokish kol shomer lo chalotzla ubekach atakonsa. Okay, so here's a pretty good example of a mistaken chalitza, right? We tell the brother-in-law, tell the brother-in-law, do chalitza with your sister-in-law, and through this you'll become married to her. Okay, it's a pretty big mistake. So the Gemara says, Amrei Yochanan ani shona anra ani shona ben shenis kavin hu velonis kavnehi. So to this. Rabbi Yochanan says, no, no, no. I, I think the halacha is like this. Whether, again, I will say, Rabbi Yochanan says, in order for chalitza to work, both of them has to have explicit kavana. So I will say, so whether, again, whether ultimately, again, he had kavana, she didn't have kavana, she had kavana, he didn't have kavana, ultimately, again, chalitza sapsula, achis kavnushneim. Chalitza only works. If halacha lemaisa, they both have kavana for chalitza. Va'at amrit chalitza sekshera, and ultimately again you're saying that such a chalitza would be kosher. So I will say. So remember again, we have an interesting machlokis over here. So the gemara is saying a chalitza mutas is kshera. Chalitza mutas is kshera. So the gemara says, what's a chalitza mutas? So Rish Lakish says an example of a mistaken chalitza is where he thinks chalitza affects marriage, even though he thinks chalitza does the opposite of what it actually does. It still works. Rabbi Yochanan says, what are you talking about? Whereas we hold that in order for Chalitza to work, both of them have to have the correct Kavanas. And you're seeing that literally where he has the opposite Kavanah will work. Here we go. What's the example of say of a Chalitza Mutas that would work, of a mistaken Chalitza that would work? Listen to this. A good example of say of a Chalitza Mutas would be like this. We tell brother-in-law, do chalitza with her on the condition that she's going to give you 200 zuz. So in other words, essentially what we're doing over here is we're convincing him to do chalitza by how? But with money. So we tell him, we tell him, do listen, do chalitza. Maybe in the world, by the way, you can frame this case wherever you want. He's reticent to do chalitza, whatever it is. So we'll say, so we tell him, do chalitza on the condition that you're going to receive 200 zuz. And then what happens after he does the chalitza, what does she say? Sorry, Sorry not going to do it. That's called the Chalitza Mutas. He did Chalitza with the... I will say, essentially, he, look what's happening over here. He did Chalitza with the Tanai. With the Tanai. And I will say what happens. The Tanai is not fulfilled. But nevertheless, what's Talacha? What's Talacha? The Chalitza is Kasher. The Chalitza is Kasher. So Chalitza al Tanai, and the Tanai was not fulfilled. The Chalitza is still Kasher. Alma, what do you see from here? Kevan da'avid maisa achule achlo letinai. They will say, watch this. Watch this. This is incredible. So now says the what do you see from here? What do you see from here? That when you make a tenai, they will say, when you make a tenai, but then you do an action without that tenai, the action stands even though the tenai does not. Right? Even though, I should say, even though the tenai has not been fulfilled. Because we'll watch this case. Watch this case, right? Ruben says, I'm doing chalitza on the condition that I get 200 zos. Right? And then what happens? Ruben does the chalitza. He does the action. And what? The, the money was not given. What's talacha? What's talacha? The chalitza still works. 
So we'll say, so therefore, every single time you make a condition, but then perform an action without the condition, ultimately the action still stands. Yimra wants to suggest, Hachanami, Kevon Deval, Achuli Achli Latinas. We'll say, let's go back, let's go back. So remember again, we're back, we're, we, everything, all roads lead back to the last line of Ayin Bezim Abay, 72b. But I will say, we are plagued by a fundamental question that's been following us through the last plot. Ruvain says to Rachel, Become Kudeshas on the condition that you have, you've made no Nidarin. And then I will say what happens. At the time of Nisuin, he does not restate the Tanai. Now what happens? He marries her. Chuppah, Bia. So I will say now it turns out that what? She has Nidarin. So what's the status of their marriage? Well, it sounds like based on what we just know, what's the status of their marriage? Halachically valid marriage. And if they want to dissolve it, if they want to dissolve it, then what? Going to require again. Aye! You made it tonight. You made it tonight. It's true you made it tonight. But because you did not restate it tonight at the time of the mice, at the time of the action, it sounds like what essentially, essentially, you've yielded on the tonight. You've been mavat on the tonight. You've foregone the tonight. Foregone. For, foregone the tonight. Foregone. All right, well, you let go of the tonight. Let go of the tonight. <laughs> Says the Gemara, Halchinami, Kevin Debal, once the husband engages in an action of Bia, I Achuli Achloi Litinoi, ultimately, again, you have forgiven the tonight. So it sounds like we've resolved the issue. Amr Le Bar Be Rab, Shapir Kamrit, do you think that makes sense? Michti, let's analyze this. Well, this is fascinating. Michti, Kol Tnai Mehecha Gaminan. So we'll say, this is great. A very Yisodistic Yimara over here. Where do we learn out the concept of Tanai? Rabbi in general, when I say the concept, I mean, where do we learn out the halachos of Tanai? The halachos of making conditions. Where do we learn that from? Mitanai b'nei Gad b'nei Ruvain. So Rabbi say the paradigmatic example of Tanai is the Tanai that Moshe Rabbeinu made with b'nei Gad b'nei Ruvain. What was that Tanai? That Tanai ultimately, you remember, b'nei Gad and b'nei Ruvain, they want to occupy I shouldn't use that word because that's a bad word, right? <laughs> they, they, they want to settle. They want to settle the Transjordanian lands, right? They, they say they, they have large flocks, large flocks. They, will say, well, they, have, so they, they have large flocks. The Transjordanian lands were well-watered lands, lush lands. They want to stay there. They want to stay there and, you, and make that their Nachal and Eretz Yisrael. They will say, by the way, parenthetically, ever wonder why did B'nai God and B'nai Ruvain have such large flocks and everyone else didn't. And I was like, what do they do? They invested, right? They're in the desert for the last 40 years. And I say, how do they have larger flocks than anyone else? So also, there's something amazing that Sarah bring down. B'nai God and B'nai Ruvain possessed incredible amuna. And therefore, again, they refused to eat their livestock. Instead, all they wanted was to subsist on the man. The other shvatim wanted meat in addition to the man. So they slaughtered livestock, right? Therefore, again, their flocks were depleted. But Negev and Eruvay was such ma'aminim. They felt that the man was such a gift from the Rebono Shal Olam. That why should we eat basar when we have man? As such, as such, they had the largest flocks within Klal Yisrael. And I both say it's important to know. Because remember, when Moshe Rabbeinu hears their request, he takes it as a lack of emuna. And nothing could be further from the truth. They were the greatest Baal Hermuna. They didn't want to eat anything other than man. That's why their flocks outnumbered everyone else's. But they, what they wanted to do was to make the Transjordanian lands part of Eretz Yisrael as well. And I will say, I'll tell you, that Bar Hashem they did. Because they remember something amazing. We always speak about the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't, go and, didn't get to go into Eretz Yisrael. And I will say, to a certain degree, it's not a totally true statement. Moshe Rabbeinu stood in the Transjordanian lands. Those lands ultimately become the tribal portion of Bnei Gad and Bnei Ruvain and Chatzis Shevet Menashe. So I will say, the, Moshe Rabbeinu actually stood in land that would ultimately become part of Eretz Yisrael. He didn't get to cross over the Yardin. That is, he didn't get to cross over the Jordan. But where Moshe Rabbeinu stood actually becomes part of Eretz Yisrael. Now again, it only becomes part of Eretz Yisrael retroactively, as we'll discuss in just a moment. But because of Bnei Gad Bnei Ruvain, because of their Emunah, Moshe Rabbeinu got to step foot in what would later on become Eretz Yisrael. Incredible. Shabbos, I remember again, Moshe Rabbeinu makes a condition with them. What's the condition? The condition he makes with Bnei Gad and Bnei Ruvain was, if you go 
and help your brethren fight to conquer Eretz Yisrael, then ultimately, again, you will get your portion on the Transjordanian lands. That, that was, that both said, there's a whole bunch of, so, so this was the example of the Tanai, the condition. The lands will be yours if, if you help conquer. So therefore, all of the halachos of term of conditions are learned out from this B'nai Gan B'nai Rubin. Now watch this. So the Gemara says, So one of the things we learn out is that ultimately, again, only a Tanai that can be fulfilled through a Shaliyah is a proper Tanai. Now we'll say, where do we get that from? Because Moshe Rabbeinu didn't administer or didn't oversee the execution of the Tanai. Who did? Who did? Yoshua. Yoshua. So one of the things we learn out is that a binding condition has to be something that can be delegated. Right? To which the Gemara says, By the way, do you know why the Tanai by Chalita doesn't work? It's not because he was mochal on the Tanai. It's because such a Tanai is invalid. You can't make a Tanai attached to Chalitza. Why? Because Chalitza is something that you cannot delegate. Right? The surviving brother cannot say, listen, you know, I've got a busy day at the office. Do me a favor, stand in for me. Stand in for me. Right? Just let her spit in your shoe. And then I'd say, right? I would say, so you can't do that. You can't delegate Chalitza. So because you can't, this is incredible. So one of the things we learn from B'nai Gan and B'nai Ruvain is, in order for Tzadi to be binding, it has to be delegatable. If that's a word, delegable, delegatable, good, delegatable, right? So I said that, like Moshe, they would delegate it to Yoshua. So there's no, t- so this is incredible. Let's go back for just a moment. So remember again, when, 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 when we make it tonight with the brother-in-law, you know, do Chalitza on the condition that she'll get 200 Zuz and he doesn't end up getting the money yet, the Chalitza is still kosher. There's a simple reason for that. That's not because we assume he just forgave the Tanai. It's because the Tanai is invalid. Because any Tanai ultimately, again, that can't be assigned to another party or delegated, ultimately is not a valid Tanai. It's incredible. I think Gemara says, one second. One second, I will say, I can make the same argument ultimately again about Bia. About Bia, right? Ultimately, again, I will say that remember that if a man goes ahead, so let, let's go back for just a moment. If a man by Nisuin were to say, all right, I'm, I'm engaging in this Bia with you on the condition that what? You do not have any Nidarim, I will say everyone agrees that what? That what? That such a tonight works. Bia can't be delegated, right? Bia can't be delegated. So, therefore, again, using this logic, then why should it tonight? Remember, again, I just want to point out. Our whole sugi is focused on what question? Where he made it tonight by Kiddushin, and he did not repeat it by Nisuin. But it goes without saying that what? That if he repeated it by Nisuin, everyone agrees that what? That what? That the tonight works. But one second, based on what you just said, now let's say any tonight that can't be delegated to someone else is not a real tonight. If that's the case, how is the tonight? Oh, to which the Gemara says, no, 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 listen to this. To which the Gemara says, Hasam Mishum de Iskish Havios Ladadi. I will say that's because. Remember, as we're going to see, right, there are three ways that you could affect Kiddushin. Kesef, Shtar, and Bia. And they are, all, they are all equated with one another. Two out of the three can be done through a Shaliyah. See, even though Bia can't be done through a Shaliyah, the other two can, and they're grouped together. So when we look at the institution of Kiddushin, or the institution of Nisuin, Ultimately, again, those things can be done ultimately through a third party. Therefore, a tenai will work. So we'll say, I just want to point out, Ksuvis is called Shas Katan. Ultimately, again, because remember, you see these concepts and like they're, they're sprinkled all over. We'll say, but like this concept of a tenai, of a tenai, tenai is learned out from B'nai God and B'nai Ruvain. And there are so many halachos. has to be a tenai kafal, phrased in the positive and in the negative. So many different things. But here's such a fascinating idea. In order for it tonight to be work, to work, it has to be something that can be delegated to someone else. Therefore, again, we learned a fascinating concept. Therefore, you can never attach it tonight to Chalitza for the simple reason that what? That what? Chalitza is not delegatable. So the Gemara goes right there. So the Gemara says, Amarav Ula, Bar Abba, Amar Ula, Amarav Elazar. So again, I just want to point out, we still have not resolved our issue. Right? In other words, our, our original Machlok is Rabbi Shmuel, where he made a tonight by Kiddushin, but didn't repeat the tonight by Nisuin, 
What happens there? That's still our Seymach Lokis Rabbin Shmuel. We have our qualification of Rabba, but we're still in this. So here we go. Amrav Ula Bar Abba Amrav Ula Amrav Lazar HaMekadish Milva. Very interesting case. Let's say you're Mekadish, a woman with a loan. And I will say, this is a great case. How does this work? Rashi says, Bimilva, Shemachala Milva Shechayeveslo. We'll say this is great. This guy is real romantic. Listen to this. <laughs> Ruven lent Rachel a thousand dollars. Thousand dollars. So he comes over to her and says, you know what? Here's the deal. Let's get married. I'm not getting you anything. But you could keep the loan. You could keep the loan. That's that's Mikalish Bamilba. So we'll say that's Mikalish Bamilba. Mikalish Bamilba. Or Ubal Altnai. Right, so ultimately again, or he, there was Bia ultimately again with the Tanai. Ubal, I'm sorry, let me say that differently. Hamikaisha Milva, Ubal. So I'll say, this is a man who's a Mekadisha woman with, with a loan. Now I'll say, I want to point out something. I'll tell you this now. Being Mekadisha woman with a loan doesn't work. Doesn't work. I, why not? You're giving her an item of value. So I'll say, there's a concept by loans, fascinating cousin Aloha, that when you lend someone money, Interestingly enough, that money becomes theirs. It's theirs. And what? At the time of the due date, the time of the due date, ultimately, again, they have to repay you the money. But over the duration of the loan, the money belongs to the borrower. So I'll say, I'll say something interesting. Let me just show where this comes up. Imagine for a moment, I lend Ruvain $1,000. 10 $100 bills, right? And I walk into Ruvain's house and I see the money is piled on his, a month later, all right? The money, money's due in a year and, and I see the money piled on the dining room table. So I will say, that's not my money. That's not my money. The moment you loan someone money, this again was another, another Shas idea, it's called Milva Lahotsa Nitna. Ultimately, again, a loan, a loan becomes the, literally for the use of the bar, becomes his money that is due at a later date. Therefore, you can't be Makali Shulman with a loan. Why not? Because halachically, essentially, what? You're not giving her anything. The money, so to speak, already belongs to her. It's interesting, interesting way to look at it. The money belongs to her. But it belongs to her. Ultimately, again, it's just she has to pay you back at a later date. But the money that she has in her possession is already hers. So watch this case. So in this case, ultimately, what happens? See, so he, he's Makadishur with a loan, Ubal, but then ultimately there's Bia, there's Nisoin. Or Al Tnai, he's Makadishur with a Tnai, Ubal. And then I was saying, in all of these cases, there's Nisoin, right? Ubal, there's Bia afterwards. Pachov is Shavar Pruta, or he's Makadishur with less than a Shavar Pruta, Ubal. And there's Bia. In all of these cases, Dirvrea called Tzrichim and a Get. Because in all of these cases, if they want to get divorced, they require a get, which is another way of saying what? Marriage is good. Marriage is good. Very interesting. Marriage is good. So let's analyze. I'm Rabbi Yosef, Abba, Rabbi Nachman, Rabbi Yami, Hamakal, Shabbat, Hosi, Shabbat, Pruta, Ubal, Tzrichi, Menaget. So let's listen to this. So Rabbi Yosef, Abba, Sinra, Rabbi Nachman, named Rabbi Yami, ultimately, again, only in the case of a man who is Mekadish with less than a Shabbat, Pruta, only in that case do you require a get. Baha hudalotai, ava bahanach tai. I will say ultimately again, here's the difference. Everyone knows, everyone knows that Allah Khalamaisi can't be Makalishum with less than a Shavaputa. Everyone knows that. And therefore, again, in the case where there's a Bia, his intention is for the Bia to go ahead and affect a true Kiddushin, and ultimately later on in his suin as well. But in the other cases, people make mistakes that these things could work for a Kiddushin, and therefore ultimately again. It's a flawed marriage. I'm Rafkan Shaidullah. Hamakadesh al Tnai Ubal Tsrichi Menaget. So we'll say let's analyze this case. Now, we'll say the, the, the one that is most important for us is the case ultimately Al Tnai Ubal. Right? So we'll say, so just to understand what that case means. A man is Makadishum with a Tnai, the condition. Then there is Bia. Right? The condition is not restated at the time of Bia. And then after Bia it turns out that what? The Tnai was not fulfilled. So what does the Brisa say? The marriage works. The marriage works. That, that's the case we're focused on right now. So now let's analyze. So Amrav Khan Mushaydu Ullah, Hamakadish Al Tanayu Baal, Srichi Menegat. So we'll say if a man is Mekadishuman al Tanay, and then again, then there is Bia, and the Tanay is not restated at the time of the Bia, but then I'll say after they get married, the Tanay was not fulfilled. Srichi Menegat. She requires a get. In other words, that the marriage is valid. So Zahayamaisa, this actually occurred. This actually occurred. 
And the Chachamim did not have the ability to go ahead and extract it from the marriage without a gift. In other words, I will say, I just want to point out what's happening over here. The Gemara seems to be going in the direction that if a man is Mekadesh, a woman with a Tanai, whatever the Tanai is, we'll just go with our Tanai, right? You are, you are Mekadesh to me on the Tanai with the condition that you have, you have not made any Nidarim, okay? Then there is Bia, Nisuin, right? Without a restating of the condition. Then after they get married, it turns out that what? She made a Nidarim. What kind of Nidarim? I'm not going to eat meat. I'm not going to drink wine. I'm not going to wear colored clothing. All the afflictive nature, nedarim. What's the halacha, Rabbi What's the halacha? They're still married. They're still married. And if they want to dissolve the marriage, they require a get. Which Rabbi seems to once again lean in favor of Rav. And what's the logic? Ein adam oseb bi'ilaso bi'ilas znos. A man does not want his, relation, his active relations to be an act of znos. And therefore, again, essentially, he forgives the Tanai. Then I both say, good, that, 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 that seems to be where we're holding right now. So the Gemara says as follows. So the Gemara says, uh, good. Remember again, the Torah is talking about over here, about ultimately, again, about a woman who is married and ultimately has relations with another man. So the Torah says, If she was not forced, in other words, if a woman has a consensual, adulterous relationship with another man, ultimately, again, she was, she was not coerced, she becomes asura, she becomes prohibited to her husband. What do you see from here? But if she was coerced, right, she was violated, then what? She remains permitted to her husband. But there's another case, where even if she wasn't coerced, she remains permitted to her husband. And who is that? What's a case of where a woman wasn't coerced, had relations with another man, and still remains permitted to her first husband? And a case where the kiddushin to the first husband was a kiddushetos. Which is an interesting case. In other words, if her marriage to the first husband was kiddushetos, and then what? She had relations with the second man. She still remains permitted to technically go back and marry the first man. Even if ultimately, again, literally, she has a child from that first marriage. Ultimately, again, she could simply walk away from that relationship. So also, what the Gemara is pointing out over here is something very interesting, that technically speaking, there are cases of Kiddush Just Just to be clear, there are cases of Kiddush Eitaos. Now, I will say, the machlokes is, the machlokes is, what's the, again, we're kind of back at square one again. We're, we're, we're back right where we were, which is essentially what happens if a tonight is made at the time of Kiddushin and not reiterated at the time of Nisuin. So we're right back to our machlokes, Rav and Shmuel. Rav says that Allah if it was not reiterated at the time of Nisuin, ultimately they're married. They're married, even though it turns out that there was non-compliance with Tanai, Rav says, Ein Adam Oseb Bilas Bilas. This person doesn't want his act of religion to be an act of immorality. Therefore, essentially, he forgives the tonight. Whereas Shmuel says, No, Allah once you state the tonight at the beginning of the process, then what? It devolves upon the, upon the process in its entirety, and non compliance with the tonight leads to the voiding of the relationship. Incredible. So, turn Rabban on. Here we go. But say, very interesting case. Halcha, Halcha, Eitzel Chacham. So, I just want to point out, I know we're doing, we're doing a lot. But again, pretty much as long as you just keep in mind, Ayn Beis Amit Beis, 72b, last line of the Dapta, Machlokis, Rav and Shmuel, that's what this is all about. Now we're, we're challenging Rabbah, right? Because Rabbah is suggesting that everyone agrees that Allah Lamaisa, where he made a Tanayat Kiddushin and didn't restate it by Nisuin, everyone agrees that ultimately, again, the Tanayat is no longer in effect. We're bombarding Rabba with questions on that position that seem not to face it. So we'll say, watch this. Very interesting. Tan Rabbanam. So we'll say, this is a fascinating case. Watch this. Same case. Same case. Right? Ruben says to Rachel, that you have no Nidarim upon you. Okay, what happens? I will say. So now, they have Kedushin. It turns out that what happens? Rachel has Nidarim, just a couple, 
not going to eat meat, not going to drink wine, not going to wear colored clothing, not going to have fun, not going to enjoy life, whatever else, you know, right? All the different nidara, right? So what happens? Well, says, now after Kiddushin, she has, so what does she do? What does she do after Kiddushin? She goes to a Chacham to go ahead and for her Taras nidara. She wants to be released from that. So I will say, without getting into the process of how you can be released from vows, right? She goes to a Chacham to remedy her, her nedar situation. So what's that halacha? So halacha eats a Chacham v'etira, Nikudashas. So I'll say ultimately again the Kiddushan is valid. The Kiddushan is valid because she went ahead and she took care. So watch this. We'll say, what about the following case? Man says to a woman, Rachel, Ruben says to Rachel, Hariat Nikudashas li amenas she'en lach mumin. Become a Kudashas on the condition you have no blemishes. So what happens? She turns out, after Kiddushan, she has a mum. But what does she do? It's a rofe veripa osa. So she goes to the doctor after her marriage, after a kiddushin, in order to get her mum addressed. And now Baruch Hashem, she's healed. I've been healed, right? She's healed. Right? It's Sunday morning. It's good to get healed, right? So we'll say, so ultimately, again, she's healed. I can walk, right? So she's healed, right? So Baruch Hashem, now what? Now what? We'll say, what's the halacha? She's not in the Kudashas. So you hear the two cases? So ask the Gemara, Ma bin Chacham So we'll say, I just want to point out what a fascinating case this is. So case one, You have no nidarim, right? She has nidarim. She goes to a chacham after kiddushin. The chacham ultimately releases her from her nidarim, nikudeshes. Case two, your nikudeshes to me, amenas that you don't have a mum. She does have a mum. She goes to the doctor. She's healed from the mum. She's not nikudeshes. Ask the gemara why is the distinction? This is fascinating. Well, so here we go. Mabein chacham lerofei. What's the difference between a Chacham and a Rofei? Here we go, here we go. Chacham okir es haneder me'ikaro, the Rofei eno ela merape ela mikano lahaba. And what's here's the difference. A Chacham, when he's ultimately again, a Chacham has the ability to retroactively uproot the neder as if it's never been made. Then I will say, there are technicalities. There's hataras nedarim, hafaras nedarim. Okay, leaving that aside, the point over here is the concept of annulment or even revocation of vows has the ability to retroactively uproot the nether. Retroactively uproot it means that what? It was never made. If it was never made then, at the time of Kiddushin, did she have any nedarb upon her? No. Contrast that, I will say, with what? With what? With being healed from a mum. What is being healed, right? I will say, when you are healed from your mum, right? Ultimately, again, what does that do? Only Healing ultimately helps you from this point, from this point going forward. I will say, I want to tell you something absolutely amazing. And therefore, again, based on that, based on that, therefore, again, at the time of the Kiddushin, she was in non-compliance with the tonight. She had a mum, and therefore the Kiddushin is not valid. It's a beautiful Gemara. There's one exception to this Rafua rule. Right, so the Gemara, it's an interesting distinction. Rafua, healing, right? and, but we know this, just, just a moment. Healing can never go ahead and retroactively remove anything. I will say, in fact, here's what's amazing about healing. Right? Even with healing, even when you heal, sometimes there's residual effects of the illness. Sometimes there's residual effects of the actual healing itself. There's one exception as well. So what's the one exception? Gidola tshuva shemavia refua liolam. There's one type of healing, one type of healing in this world that has the ability to work even retroactively. And that's the healing, restorative, cathartic powers of tshuva. See, I will say, any type of healing of the guf could only work mikan ulehaba, going forward. But the healing of the soul, the healing of the neshama, the healing of tshuva, even has the ability to work retroactively. Gidola tshuva, the Gemara says, tshuva is great. Shemeviya rafua li'olam. It brings healing. And we know that tshuva is so powerful that what? Zidonos you could turn your Averis even into mitzvahs. Physical healing has limitations. Only works in Kanalah Haba. Spiritual healing could even work retroactively. So the Gemara says, Vatanya, Eitzel Chacham, Ve'etira, Eitzel Rofe, Ve'ripa, Osa, Eina, Mikudash. I have a Braise that says that if she went to the Chacham to be released from the Neda, or she went to the doctor to heal her. Ain't on the Kudash, that it doesn't work. So what's going on? It's contradiction. Two different opinions. So I say, Here we go. 
So what's the fascinating? Harayir to Amar Adam Rotzen Shetisbaze Isho Bebezdin. Rabbi Meir is of the opinion that a man wants his wife to be degraded in front of the Bezdin. I will say, it doesn't actually sound as bad as it sounds, right? Or it's not as bad. However, what it means is Rabbi Meir doesn't, it's, it's considered to be humiliating or degrading for a woman to have to go to Bezdin for annulment or revocation of her vows. So I will say, whether it's that like she has to disclose her vows, or again, she's a woman coming into the company of men. Either way, it's something uncomfortable. Rabbi Meir says, a man doesn't mind if his wife has to suffer that discomfort, ultimately, again, for the greater good of their marriage. And therefore, again, if her, her, her vows have the ability to be revoked, Rabbi Meir says, husband is totally okay with that. So the opinion that no, a man doesn't want his wife to have to go to Basin. Therefore, I will say, again, here's a distinction. According to Rabbi Meir, according to Rabbi Meir, if Reuben says to Rachel, "Hariat mikudeshas li amenas shein alayach nedarim," become mikudeshas on the condition that what you have no nedarim, and she does have nedarim, but she's willing to go to Beisdin to get those nedarim revoked. According to Rabbi Meir, fine, husband is okay with that. Ah, your wife is going to be embarrassed. Okay, okay, so she'll suffer a little bit of embarrassment ultimately for the greater good of the marriage. He's willing to deal with that. Rabbi Lazar says. A man didn't sign up. I don't want my wife going to Beisdin. I don't want that. And therefore, if it turns out that you have the Durham, even if you can get them revoked in Beisdin, the marriage is still void. The marriage is still void. So it's fascinating. So the Gemara says, So the Gemara says, So I will say, So what, what, what is this case? Here we go. This is not very interesting, I will say. Let's at least, we'll, we'll begin this today. Mahi, this is ishto mishum neder lo yachzir. This is another fascinating halacha. We'll see this in the second gin. If a man divorces his wife because of a nether, he is not permitted to remarry her. Similarly, if he, bless you, if he divorces her because of a shemra, a bad reputation, he is not permitted to marry her, remarry her. And I will say, what's the chap over here? Generally, the halacha is, unless you're a Kohen, if a man divorces his wife, right, and then has a change of heart, you're allowed to marry her as long as, remarry her as long as what? As long as what? She didn't marry anyone else in the interim. There are two exceptions to this rule. If a man divorces his wife because she made a particular nether, because she made a blessing, because she made a particular nether, right, or because of a bad reputation, he's not allowed to remarry. And I will say, what, what are we concerned about? Here's what we're concerned about. So let's, say, let's play this out. So let's say, ultimately, again, Ruben divorces Rachel because she has a bad reputation. He heard some negative rumors about her. Then, okay, so they get divorced. Rachel remarries. Rachel remarries. And now it turns out that the rumors were unequivocally false. What are we concerned about? That Rubin's going to say, had I known that the rumors were false, I would have never given you a get. And I will say, that's a very scary halachic reality. Why? Because now that could potentially undermine the authenticity of the get. <laughs> Same thing with the nether. Right? Rubin divorces Rachel because she made a nether. Then after they get divorced, Rachel gets the nether revoked or annulled. And Rubin says, had I known that you could get the net, the revoked one, I would have never divorced you. Very scared of us, because what does that do? If she gets remarried, that casts a pell upon the validity of her second marriage. So I will say, it's fascinating. So Sanjay Chazal did was like this. Ruvain, if you are divorcing your wife, either because of an end or a shemra, we make it unequivocally clear to him at the time of the divorce that this divorce, all sales are final, right? All divorces are final, right? This is it. This is it. Understand? That when you go ahead and you divorce her, you waive your right of remarriage. That's fascinating. So the Gemara says, so Rabbi Huda Rabbi Huda says, it depends. Rabbi Huda says, if it's a nether, ultimately, again, that the rabbi know about, then ultimately, that's the type of marriage he can't remarry her. But if it's a nether that the rabbi did not know about, then ultimately what? You can't remarry. Look at Rashi. Rashi says, So Rashi defines that as any nether you made in public that people know about. Okay, we're going to leave this aside. So Rameiro Rameiro says, If it's any nether ultimately again that requires the intervention of a chacham, that's the type of nether where if he divorces her because of it, he cannot remarry her. But it's a type of neder that doesn't require chakiras chacham. Ultimately, again, he can be married. Rabbi Lazar Omer Echad, 
says ultimately we only answered the case of a neder that sar that requires chakiras chacham because of the case of a neder ultimately that doesn't require chakiras chacham. So we'll stop over here for today. I'm leaving you a little bit on the middle of this sugya. We're going to go back in tomorrow's daf and focus a bit more on the statement of Rabbi Huda. But I will say I just want to point out the good news is. We did a lot of Gemara today, right? And Baruch Hashem, we are caught up with the rest of the Dafyomi cycle. Baruch Hashem. Right? The good news is we also saw a lot of fascinating pieces. What's the bad news? The bad news is we're actually not really any further in solving our fundamental question. I mean, I shouldn't say that. We are a little bit further. We are a little bit further. Because they're both saying the truth is, right, should I just give it to you now? I'm going to give it to you now. I'm going to give it to you now, Bosse, because the truth is I want you to end off with something solid. Because now, now we're, by the way, now we're making a little bit of a sharp nether detour, right? Because now we're going, to be, we're going to be heavy into the dharm only for about 10 lines, only for 10 lines. But I say, we're leaving with Rabbi Huda. So I say, so now what I want to point out is like this. Let, let's take, let's pause. I want to end up with a piece of Allah. Back to Rav and Shmuel. Back to Rav and Shmuel. Let's say remember again. Man makes a man makes it tonight. Right? I'm being Mikhailishu on the condition that well, if you have no dharm upon you, and then Rabbi said, then what happens? So then and then at the time of Misuin, he doesn't restate the nether. They get married. Chopa, Bia, what does she tell them at the, what does he find out during Shara Brachas? What does he find out? She has Nadarim. Right, they're serving fleshiks at the shower brachas. She's not eating, right? She orders, she orders a salad. She orders a salad. He says, what, what's going on? First of all, shalom, he's afraid that she's a vegetarian. Right? So I'll say, that, then she turns out that, no, even worse, I'm an adronis. I made, I don't know if it's worse, right? I made the nether. I made a nether. So I'll say, see now, what's the shayla? What's the shayla? Right? He finds him in the middle of the shower brachas. What's the shayla? What's the status of the marriage? So I'll say, listen to this. Evan Ezer, Simin Lamit Ches, Sif Lamit Hey. Here we go. Here we go. The Gemara says, Lefichach. It's a, Lord, a, Lord, it's a longer Shukhmar, but I'm just thinking of the, the, the conclusion. Lefichach. Hamekadish al Tanai, O Baal Stam, O Kines Stam. This is our case. A man does Kiddushin with a Tanai, but then either the Bia or the Nisun, because remember, Nisun can be affected by Chopa as well. Goes to the chuppah, stam, bia, stam, in other words, doesn't restate the t'nai at the time of Nisuin. What's the halacha? Get ready? Ready for it? Ready for it? Hare zu tzricha get. Afa pi shalon is kaim hatnai, shema bital hatnai, kishabal oshekishakines. The shukhanar paskin zalacha la maisa. If you don't repeat the t'nai at the time of Nisuin, we essentially assume that halacha la maisa. You went ahead and negated the tonight. So the, the, the lack of the lack of re, restating the tonight at the time of Nisuin. Now, boss, I want to point out over here: the Shulchan Aruch doesn't go ahead and he says Shema Bital Hatnaie Kishavoshkinis. Maybe you were mevatel the tonight. Maybe the fact that you didn't restate it at the time of Nisuin ultimately makes it as if you are mevatalit. Mevatalit, in other words, if you really cared about it all that much, you learned that, Yomi, you know that you should restate it at the time of Nisuin. The fact that you didn't restate it at the time of Nisuin indicates to us that perhaps you were mevatalit. Now, I will say, perhaps it's not definitive, but perhaps is enough to tell us what? That if you do want to dissolve this marriage, ultimately what? Halacha l'maysa, you need a get. Which will say essentially means that Shulchan Aruch and the Ram Paskin is the same way. Here that happens the Shulchan Aruch is a bit more explicit than the Rambam. We pass in halacha l'maysa like Rav. Therefore, again, failure to restate the tonight at the time of Nisuin essentially allows us to assume that you are mevatal the tonight. Therefore, the marriage is a regular marriage. This solution will require a get. I will say shkoyach. Let's talk about it for today. Should make a scene on the sugya, yeah, yeah. Oh, when I finished with the sugya, I, I gave again. I gave it a little bit early, a little bit early, but okay. All right, have on Zoom. Have a great day, everyone. Wonderful to see everyone.